This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, healers. It's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free. So hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform and the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through, while giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. 
BetterHelp makes it so easy to log on to your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit BetterHelp.com slash The Anxiety Chicks. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, slash The Anxiety Chicks, and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinera. And I'm Taylor. And I'm sure you missed hearing that voice because Taylor Taylor has, an, uh, has, an, has been gone for a little while and we're so sad, but we're so happy to have you back and figure you could just give us a little update on how you've been and what's been going on with you. Well... It's like I woke up one day and y'all had recorded so much. I was like, oh my gosh. And then you were like, well, it's going to be a two-week thing. And I was like, guess I'm off for two weeks. And then last week, you and I were both just like, we cannot. It was such a busy week. I've taken on a couple more clients and it's definitely challenged me, but I know that that's where like the growth is, you know? And so just pushing myself there and then also making time for, I've been making a lot more time for my mental health. I've been doing a lot of meditation Good. and that's been really interesting for me. I've been adding in a few different like uh, things to help, not even just like anxiety. Like I'm not almost like I'm getting on top of it. Like I'm learning that even if you're not anxious, you need to get on top of like preventing even just the feelings of being overwhelmed, stressed, and I just feel more happy and calm. In a, in a, it's like a I'm doing like a lot of things, but uh yeah if you like follow my stories you can kind of see like even just like my diet and like just how I'm eating for my health and just I mean there's just so much science it's honestly unreal that this science has been here for so long and I feel like it's becoming a little more mainstream and maybe we should do a podcast on this because I've like dived head first in uh I mean that is my practice that is what I do I'm very obsessed with it so, but I feel like I've nerded out even more just the way you can optimize living through mm. so many, and it's just, just how 98% of mainly the United States, because I would say other countries have a better hold on a lot of things with nutrition. I mean, it's unreal. We need to do another episode on that, Allison, because I have yeah. so much that it's just crazy. Your totally. mind, your thoughts can be so controlled by what is going on inside of you. I mean, we've said that before, but it's just so true and the science is there. I think I think there's a lot of companies that don't want us to know the science is there because it would put them right. out of business, but Exactly. Yeah. Yes. We'll have to do an episode on that. Oh my gosh, for sure. Well, I'm so happy to hear that though. What um I'm curious what you use for meditation. Is it an so app? Been, is it I started neurofeedback. I don't know if you've heard of that. Mm-hmm. So, of I started neurofeedback yeah. and I kind of freaked out. Because I had this like limiting belief, you know, like I'm changing my brain. Oh my gosh. But like 
oh my gosh, the stories I've heard about the healing from neurofeedback is crazy, but I kind of freaked out. So I started with the muse, which is also like a form of neurofeedback. Can you, why don't you tell anyone who's listening who might not know like about it? What did you, what do you, what made you interested in it? And just so I heard there was two girls that I know and this one girl like she was like on the brink of getting on medication like she was like I'm panicked every day like this Mm -hmm. is really bad and she was like I'm going to get on medication but she didn't want to so someone reached out to her her friend and was like you gotta try neurofeedback so she went into neurofeedback and like her her anxiety's gone it's crazy I mean she did 60 sessions it's definitely like you gotta put in the effort it's not like an overnight healing Mm -hmm. um And so I was like, you know what? Like, this is something I've never given a try. And it's definitely not as mainstream as like, you know, just talk therapy. You don't like I remember I was like, oh, my gosh, like I have a page on mental health and I didn't even know much about neurofeedback. And so what happened was my first session was a brain mapping. And so they put this cap on me with all these electrodes. And basically, I got this uh, uh, QEEG readout. Mm-hmm. Of my, the activity of my brain. I mean, it was very validating to see just like, wow, like you do have, wow. I mean, I know I have anxiety, but it was just like, look at these parts of your brain that are yeah. so much more active. And it's funny because I had my brother go with me and he did it too. And he's not like me. And so like his was like, so not active in those areas where mine was. And so, uh, it was just, it was, it was validating in a very weird way, but, um, Basically, uh, that was the first session. You get your brain mapping and then you go over it with them. You know, the theta, alpha, beta, high beta, all those waves and uh, the brain waves. Mm-hmm. And then your first session, you do some, uh, it, it's a uh, low frequency. And uh, basically, you just watch the screen with these headphones in and you're holding a vibrating bear and the bear vibrates to reward your brain for uh going into the right wave. So when your brain goes from, so high beta is where you're super anxious. So when you go into the waves of like theta or alpha or your high beta comes down into good beta, which is like our focused beta, our motivated beta, like high beta is when we like are so overwhelmed, like we want to be focused, but we're just like, it's just too much. And so you have a physical reward, which is the bear vibrating. And then you have a visual reward because you're watching, uh, well, your first few uh, sessions, you have to watch like um, moving art, but your later sessions, you watch just Netflix, like any show on Netflix. And basically like the screen, it will get smaller, like the picture will, or it will flicker, or it will get bigger and brighter. And basically these different things that are happening on the screen is like, hey, good job, brain. Good job for doing this. So it's a visual reward. Mm-hmm. and uh, But also, obviously, like if it's like flickering or like getting smaller, your brain's getting a little more anxious. So it's like, hey, no, 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 we don't like that. So the bear is the physical reward. The screen is the visual reward. And then you have headphones on. So you have an auditory reward. And so basically when uh, you're doing good, the, the, the volume might get louder or there might be like a um, my first few, my first session, there wasn't any like ding, ding, dings or like anything like that. But I think when you get into like the amp sessions, it is, it can do more of that, but, uh, yeah, it would get louder stuff. And I, I freaked out my first uh, session during my first session. Oh no. No, I freaked out. In like a good way. I've never felt so calm. (gasps) 
Really? And it, and it freaked oh. me out because, and I talked to them about it and they were like, this is common with people with panic disorder or people who mm. just live at a high functioning anxiety because you live so high strung that you're not used to being calm and it's almost weird and scary. And so like, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like weird. Like, I I don't even know if I can live at calm. Like maybe I don't want to live at calm. Yeah. And like, I was like saying all that to them anyway. So my, I mean, my wow. brother, he's like a champ. He got, so like they, they keep pulling your, uh, frequency to find your like sweet spot. And mm -hmm. my brother, they like pulled it all the way down, like basically to where he could almost like fall asleep because the frequency is so low. I mean, I was like a little baby wow. like, like going down, but yeah. uh, basically you're, you're supposed to go twice a week. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like the cheapest thing at all. It's definitely like costly. Okay. And so uh, it's not, is it covered under your insurance at all? Uh, no? I think there are some neurofeedback centers that do cover mm -hmm. it. I do. Uh, but the thing is, is you want to make sure you're going to someone who really knows what they're doing because mm -hmm. I mean, it is... It can determine like, so in the beginning, you can have uh, some side effects with being a little more irritable or anxious because you're like, you're reprogramming your brain in a way. You're telling your brain, hey, we don't like how you've been functioning. This is how we want you to function. And so your brain's like, ah, uh -uh. like, what are you doing? Why are you messing with like how we always live? And so, uh, yeah, that can be a bit much for for some people, but the... The people are so cool. I go to brain brain centers and they have one in here and then one in Dallas. I mean, uh, sorry, this is Dallas. One in Denver. I don't know okay. about anywhere else, but uh, so but outside of that, I've been focusing on using my Muse. I don't know if you've heard of Muse, but it's kind of the same thing, but it's more of just an auditory reward. So basically, I'll meditate with this headband on, and it's like an ocean. Or you can kind of pick your noise that's going on. And mm -hmm. it's measuring your brain waves with an EEG. And when you're in a state of calm, it makes bird sounds. So the birds will chirp. Wow. And so basically it's like reward. It's showing like, hey, good job. Like we like this. We like being calm. Yes. And so yes. I've been doing that uh, every day. That's and so to me, great. Like, that's like a really good. I, I, I don't know. I just feel like just like sitting with no plan is hard for me. Like just mm -hmm. sitting. I know that's like good for you, but it's like my brain will go a million miles per hour. But I feel like when I know that there's a reward that needs to be done, I'm like, okay, we have to like, we really have to be calm and focused and we can't be thinking of other things because we're trying to get our rewards. Like it's yeah. so defeating when you do a session and there's no birds. But, but also you said that you've been meditating too. On top of this, or that is that is your type of meditating? Got it. Okay, you you do guided meditations with it. I was gonna say it sounds it sounds like, but you have this sort of um, also tangible item that yeah. works well with it too. Yeah, but essentially that's what you are doing. You are you are being still. You're just adding a different element to it for right, you. Right, that's right. helpful. Which it's is almost awesome. like it's almost like when I put the headband on, it's. It's, it's just like a weird thing with my brain. It's like, okay, we're here to meditate, you know, like rather than like yep. having no game plan and being like, okay, I'm going to go on YouTube and find a meditation and oh. I don't know. And then I've also been yeah. using my hatch sleep. I don't know if you've heard of a hatch. I've had it for like two years and I never no. used it and I've been setting it up. So I have this like whole nighttime routine. 
So basically it starts this guided meditation. And then once the guided meditation is done, it goes into like a white noise or a rainstorm. And it does that until it wakes me up in the morning and I shut it off. Oh, that's amazing. I know. It's so cool. I've had it See, for like so many- years and I never used it. Oh my God. You just start. There's so many different um, just uh, tangible types of action Literally. and actionable types of ways to help change, rewire your brain and just like help regulate your nervous system. I mean, and and it's really hard to know. Now, some of these things I know are a little expensive for people. I know it's harder to find um, some of these things that might be more affordable. So I know that that could be hard for some people, but I look at it as like an investment into, yeah, yeah. you know, like your health um, and something that something that really is a tool that I, I mean, I have certain tools too that I've spent money on that have been so helpful because I was investing in my own health, you know, my mental health. Yeah, that's how I see it too. It's just like what matters to you. It's like if you really add up the things you spend money on, you can actually find a lot of areas where you're like, did I need that cocktail? You know what I mean? Like, why are people spending $10 on a cocktail when it's like, what's the biggest focus I need in my life right now? And that's my Mm -hmm. mental health. So like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to invest my mental health. So I wouldn't say it's like crazy expensive. I don't know what I know, like with insurance, with therapy, a lot of people can get away with like a 30 to $50 copay. But the sessions I think are 80. Yeah, it's 80 a session. So Mm -hmm. I mean, it can add up. But yeah. You know, like you said, it's a it, and the thing is that it's it's long-term rewiring. So basically when you're done with 60 sessions, it's the lasting effects are about 20 years. And this is like backed by science, which I think is so yes. cool. But That's like amazing. I was texting you and I was like, "Hey, I want to talk about CBT. I want to I want to get into cuz when I started learning yes. more about neurofeedback, I was like, "Wow, like I think it really helps to learn the facts, especially when you're an anxious person and you want control. So I feel like when people are like, oh, therapy, like what is talking to someone going to do for me? And I'm the same person. Like I went to someone and I don't even know if it was like CBT. I mean, I think most people have no idea when they go to therapy. They don't know if someone's psychodynamic or like specializes in EMDR or like CBT. Like if you're not a psychologist, like you really don't know those things. That's just why I actually try and talk about that on my page to help people understand better. But go right. on. So I went to a lady before and I remember like the one thing she said to me was like, oh, I would put you on a sedative. And I was just like, screw you. Like what? Like that's so rude. Like I don't need that right now. I've told you my medication for years. And she just like sat there and I felt so judged by her. And so I think it's And I feel like when people think of talk therapy, they're like, I can talk to my friend. I can talk to my partner. Why do I need to go talk to some random person? And that's where I think it would be cool for you and I to be, especially because you do CBT, for us to go through exactly like the difference between, say, going to you for CBT. What can CBT actually do to someone's brain? Can it rewire their brain? Mm -hmm. Can it actually get rid of their anxiety. I think people have these uh, limiting beliefs that it's a gimmick. It's a joke. It's like, why would I talk to you when I can talk to someone I know? Yeah. So I think explaining the science behind exactly what CBT does to your brain. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a difference between talk therapy and CBT specifically, right? There's so many different modalities for therapy. But before we like get into that, I feel like I just want to reflect on your neurofeedback because I think it's so amazing that you've tried something and kind of 
went outside of your comfort zone to try something to and and that's essentially when it comes to anxiety sometimes where we feel like we need something to change so bad and maybe you know yes. even if you've tried medication it hasn't worked or maybe you're just like not ready to do that yet and you want you know you want you really need to advocate for yourself to do research and see what's out there and you did and i think that's awesome and i think that is so wonderful and you know, I tell so many of my clients about neurofeedback and about all like these types of items that they could try and use because like I talk about in my book, which I was going to update everybody on because I had my book launch, but um, in the Anxiety Healer's Guide, which you can buy on Amazon now, link in the show notes, shameless plug, um, there are so many reasons to that that if you struggle to really just try certain types of actionable steps to see what fits with the type of toolkit you need that really helps you. So you're finding now that this is part of your toolkit, this neurofeedback. And these types of items that you had, they are part of your toolkit for different parts of your life that that maybe you feel more anxious in. And I think that's amazing. And things are trial and error. And honestly, sometimes you might put on the muse and it might not be as effective as like three nights ago because of different things going on in your life. And that's okay. But I just want to acknowledge that I'm so proud of you. And I think that's amazing. I think and it really helped. Uh, I actually didn't update everyone on this, but remember when I got, I did a little like a uh, solo episode where I talked about how like COVID really yeah. affected my brother mm -hmm. and I or whatever. My brother, he had that, I talked to you about it. He had just like gotten rid of all of his anxiety with hypnosis in the past. And then when he got COVID, it like re-triggered yes. a ton of things and he just was panicked. It's all gone. He got back into hypnosis. Good. Oh, and, that's great. And so that just goes like that's I think that was the point where I was like, you know, this is really cool that sometimes you just have to try things that you feel are gimmicky or mm -hmm. not gonna work for so you. Like, I'm putting up with yeah, I'm putting up like, like air quotes, say, guys. But yeah. my point is is if you take anything from this episode and when we talk about CBT, please just try something. Like, don't just, I did this for so long. I remember when I first started getting anxiety, I just sat with it and I expected it to just go away overnight. And what I learned is that some of us have more active and anxious brains than others. And that's okay. That doesn't mean we're broken. That doesn't mean we're not fixable. We have so many resources. Like, and I think that when you go to the doctor, you get put in this little box that only medication and only like, this like very weird image of talk therapy is all that you have in your availability. You know what I mean? Like when you first hear about anxiety, you don't know all that you and I know. No, like, no. And I feel like yeah. a lot of people who listen to this, they think those are their only options. And so if you yeah. take anything from this, there's so many options. Don't give up if one doesn't work. Because I think that's another thing. Someone yeah. will try medication and they'll have side effects or something. And they'll be like, I'm just a broken person. Nothing will work for me. And they just give up on themselves. And so what Allison and I want to do is we want to educate you guys on so many ways that you can help yourself. And if one doesn't mm -hmm. work for you, just try the next. And so and that's yeah, essentially creating your anxiety healing toolkit, which is what I write is completely chapter nine in my book is creating your own toolkit. I actually put an example of my tool own toolkit um, in the book so you can see kind of how to create it. But there are so many different types of grounding strategies, visualization exercises, meditations, tangible self-soothing items like you're talking about, um, therapies that 
you can try and essentially you want to know what types of quote unquote tools work for your toolkit. And some of them aren't all going to be like tangible items. Some of them are going to be your support systems and all of that. Um, And so when we talk about CBT today, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, you know, I do want to mention I am trained, you know, in CBT or that's, that's where my training lies, but it's not going to be appropriate for everybody. Um, you know, the research on CBT and, and the effectiveness on anxi- treating anxiety disorders is um, incredible. So also I've used it myself and it's just, but it's also not the only modality for you, right? Like there are a lot of different types of talk therapies out there. Um, and so finding the one that's best for you is the most important, but because for the sole purposes of, of this pod, this episode, and because that's kind of where my expertise lie, lies, I'm going to talk a little bit more about CBT and the effectiveness of it and how it works and um, when it's challenging and when it's not. And maybe you see if it's if it's right for you. There is a part of CBT I love because so much of it is actually like actionable steps. And also part of it is being able to really know how to work on your brain yourself without quote unquote, needing your therapist in front of you. So that's usually part of it. But um, going back to what I don't know, did you, I'm sorry, I hate let's, that we let's are going back with, to the question. Let's start with uh, you in, you in college. Okay. You get your degree and what makes you become a CBT expert versus another therapist? Like explain that first. Okay. So I actually and then I'm going to I'm going to actually define CBT for anyone who doesn't understand like exactly what that means. But I um what happened was in one of my classes I got my master's in clinical psychology. In undergrad I had a minor in psychology. So in one of my classes undergrad I had to select um a theorist that I had never heard of or like a, I had to do some research on different theories of psychology and read the book and do a paper on it and and essentially choose something that spoke to me, right? Like that kind of what made sense to me. Um, some people, you know, chose uh, Carl Jung or, um, you know, Freud, which is more psychoanalysis. He's um, – and I chose um, – Aaron Beck, who is like the father of CBT, basically, and also a book I remember by uh, Albert Ellis. And he is he is someone that talks a lot about something called rational emotive behavioral therapy. And it just he talks a lot about the emotional aspect of a relationship with client and therapist and um, like unconditional positive regard, which is always kind of making sure that you are in this non-judgmental space with your client. So uh, anyway, don't want to get too clinical, but that's where I got. I, I chose those books because I did some research through that class and I read a bunch of different, I didn't read all the books, but I researched a lot of different theorists. And when I looked into and did these this research paper, I really was like, this this speaks to me. And I actually started practicing it myself. I hadn't I hadn't really ever been to a CBT expert. I had been to therapists before. I'd been to a couple different okay, from my wait, teenage wait, wait. years. Pause, wait. So you're telling me that every okay. So with your license, you aren't yeah. just 
a CBT expert? No, you have to no, no, you you as as you go through your master's program, mm-hmm. you basically decide when you get because not everyone is licensed also. You okay, come so out with a master who's licensed, are they CBT? No. Okay, no. so what so you choose an area. So you yeah, some people don't. Some people are just eclectic. I mean, I call myself a holistic practitioner because again, CBT isn't for everybody. So I don't use specific CBT with every single one of my clients. Okay. Right. So I'm eclectic. I'm like a holistic practitioner. I look, you know, um, and I, I'm also sort of a psych- psychodynamic clinician, but I'm not, I don't want to get into all that because I think it would be boring, to be honest, to some people, because I want to talk a little bit more about the effectiveness of CBT. Um, <clears throat> but no, n- there is not one modality that every single per- every single psychologist is when they get licensed. No. Wow. Wow. Okay. So yeah. if someone were to, find a therapist, it would be important for them to say, hey, I want to know if you practice CBT. Is that how you would say it? Yes. So that's what, yes. So that's, that's the important part to know. But the unfortunate thing is, like we said before, unless you actually research these types of things yourself, you're not going to really know what that means. I mean- that's why I, I wanted to have this podcast because yes. I'm like not you. Like it's hard when people ask me about diet stuff. I feel like, oh my gosh, you should know this stuff. Like, and to me, it's so like it's like uh, handwriting. It's like so yes. you just do it. You've so been studying you, it for so long, and yeah, you're so, doing it for so long. So to yeah. you, I feel like it's just like okay, come on, guys. Like we should know this. So that's why I want to be like, okay, I'm an outsider. Yes. So ask your therapist. Yes. Hey, do you specialize in CBT? I'm I'm looking for that. If you want to try yes. CBT. If, okay, now give us yes. what is CBT? Okay. So cognitive behavioral therapy. Okay. I'm actually going to read the description from one of my favorite books because I think they actually um, – they just say it in such a good, concise way. And it's a book called The Anxiety and Worry Workbook. Um, and it's actually – Aaron Beck is one of the authors of it. It's, oh, it's I have a, that one. Oh, you do? You have a different generation. Is it a gen? Is there a generation? This is the newest one, I think. I got it like – I think it's a newer one. I have yeah, a I bunch got it of like them. Five years ago, but yeah, but like I, I got. They it's updated. a good. It's a good thing. Well, it's amazing because it's like a workbook, so I use it with a bunch of my clients, and you know, um, it, it looks a little bit more like a textbook that you yeah. would <laughs> that you would have, but it is yeah. so effective to use for yourself and very again, very actionable, right? Yes. Like CBT. So anyway, this is this is the way they describe it. Cognitive therapy is a brief, highly structured talk therapy that focuses on everyday experiences to teach individuals how to change their emotional thinking and beliefs through systemic evaluation and behavioral action plans with the aim of reducing distressing conditions like anxiety and depression. Hmm. So when I read that, how do you interpret that? You're changing the way you see, or the, you're changing the way you automatically. I would say, like, have you heard of the ants analogy? Yes. So, so wouldn't it be like that? You're you're just uh, in automatic negative thoughts, right? Yeah, like you're changing yeah. those. Yes, and helping yes. you and go to a more positive side, or looking at the bigger picture, like seeing both sides. Okay, so and automatic negative thoughts are ant is like a buzzword in CBT for sure you know you talk about ants all the time but um i'll explain that a little bit a little bit more but i really love hearing your perception of that definition because 
it is it is so hard to understand like what exactly is someone going to learn from this type of therapy like right. what is someone exactly going to be doing and the reason why it's so effective is because you actually did hit the nail on the head with one part of it was like the biggest the biggest part of this process in CBT is to look at the way that to look at your thought patterns and to look at the distorted thought patterns that happen in your brain. Hmm. And so, so when you ask a client like to tell you them or so what happens is and ev- again everybody has sort of a different modality but I'm just going to talk about the way that I work and right. um and just what has been most effective for my clients. Right. In the way that I I work with them. I do a lot of psychoeducation as well. Hmm. So in my intake sessions, part of CBT and cognitive therapy is educating clients on what it is. And essentially, like you're acknowledging that when we knew when you wanted to talk about this topic, like you wanted to learn more about it. And that is a huge piece of this. So I will educate them on what is CBT, right? What does it look like? You know, I'll say something similar to that definition, but I will also explain it the way I'll explain it now because sometimes you have to kind of, I don't want to say dumb it down because it's, I don't like to use the word dumb, but like almost like if I came to you, I would, I would ask you, you know, tell me what you're saying in like a second grader because I don't know what you mean. So I will explain to them, here's what it means. We, we all have different experiences and life events that happen to us, Right. And these situations, some people will call them like triggers if they're situations that, um, you know, create a high state of fear or worry, right? These situations automatically create different thoughts in our brain. And when we're anxious or depressed, a high, high percentage of them are irrational types of thoughts and distorted ways of thinking. And then those distorted types of thoughts, they're followed by whatever emotions would be followed by certain thoughts. So you have like a life situation event, and then you have a thought after that happens. When you're in that event, you have certain thoughts, and then you have feelings that happen after those. And when I say feeling, so, and sometimes it's hard to distinguish between thoughts and feelings. Thoughts and feelings are also emotions. So sometimes it's, so do you what what do you think? Do you feel like you know the difference between a thought and emotion? I think that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. Like it I, is. I think cuz how do you know? Like it's like how would you know? So I mean like yeah, you can feel an emotion, I guess, like but when you feel anger, but it's like is that from a thought? So that's essentially what CBT helps with, distinguishing right thoughts behind the emotions you have. So a lot of times it is hard to know the difference between a thought and a feeling because I might say, um, you know, someone's at a party and they're just like, oh my gosh, I want to get out of here. I want to get out of here. You know, what's going on? And, And someone might be like, what's going on? How are you feeling? And the person might respond, oh, I don't know. I don't like it here. This is, this is really weird here. But when you, but but really what but what's the feeling? What's the emotion going on? And that person right. And sometimes yeah. and that's that's a huge part of this too, is giving giving um 
the people I work with the language to know how to express themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to know, like, what what am I really feeling right now? Like, what? So being able to say feeling words. Are you feeling scared? Are you feeling uncomfortable? Are you worried about something? Are you sad? Are you disappointed? Are you frustrated? Like, what are the feeling words? So that's a huge piece before you even get into the changing the thought patterns is, well, do you know how to express yourself, though? Do you know what you are feeling in those moments or not? And there's a lot of exercises we do. That's all in this book about like learning how to do that, like feelings education. Um, and then once Can you you're kind of recognize when a client is like more educated, do you know, like say this is like too simple for someone and they're just getting frustrated. They're like, I already know all this. Like, I don't, how would you go about a client like that? Like they're like, they catch on, they know what they're doing. They're doing, they know how to distinguish thoughts from whatever. Would you go to a different, like a more advanced route with that client? I'm not sure I understand your question, but I probably would be like, well, why are you here then? If you know huh. everything, then why no, no, are not, you not, sitting no, here? No, 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 not like that. Like, no, if but they I mean, if they tried it, if they've used it and they really understand it, then I would wonder what what is keeping them anxious or I would wonder why they were seeking help. No, no. Uh, the distinguishing the thoughts from emotions. Like say they already knew how to do that. Oh, yeah. Oh, that. Um, yes. No, that's yeah. great. So, yeah. So after – so that's <laughs> – Not like I already know all this. Like, <laughs> I would be like, why, why well, are you here? Good. I'd be like, well, that's amazing. Why are you anxious? <laughs> Go and flourish. Go. Um, so, okay. So the next the next thing would be – and and this part is something that I do that's in my book, and I do pre- basically on my own. It's not necessarily a CBT-related exercise. It's just something that I've noticed for my years of practice is really helpful. Um, I give them a rating scale, and I, I give them an exercise to do in between our sessions to rate themselves daily in the morning and at night, maybe in the, in the midday, from 1 to 10. And... One is the calmest they've ever been and peaceful place. Ten is like they're going to the ER for a panic attack. I will ask them to rate themselves so they become more consciously aware of seeing if there's any patterns of day, any types of situations that may have happened where their anxiety levels are going, are changing. Right, right. Oh, that's cool. So another thing you could do with that if you're someone at home is the five, have you heard of the five minute journal? Yes. Yes. That's so yeah. cool. And like, yes. it's like a morning and night check-in. I think that's really totally. cool. I think it's on Amazon if you, if you wanted to look it up, but yes. yeah, that's cool. Like the check-in method. So that's, that, that's, like that. yeah. And so I do something similar. Um, it's not specifically that journal, although people could use that. That would be amazing. Um, I will have, I will have my clients sort of write down and process what's going on. Um, in their in their minds when they rate themselves. So write like a sentence or two. It doesn't need to be a whole long journal. A lot of times there's time constraints with things. Um, but yes, you want to create this like conscious awareness of what's going on in your mind and your body and like write down any physical symptoms you might be feeling, whatever. And that's like a whole exercise that I'll have them do, you know, pretty consistently. And to be honest, that's something I do with myself in my own practice. Like every other day or like I do it consistently. So this isn't like just one exercise by you're done. I mean, rating yourself 
that is going to be an important part of your lifestyle, right? right? That's going to give you a more conscious awareness of what your body's doing, how your brain's responding. So the CBT really comes in when you start recognizing what types of distorted thought patterns that you struggle with. There's about a list of like 15 different cognitive distortions, 15 to 20, 15 like really, 15 common ones. And I will always, I'll take out that list and I'll give it to my clients and I'll say, take a look at this list and I want you to check off what distortions you feel like you identify with. Like if your brain does any of these, let me know. I'll give you an example of some of them. Um, and we can make a link in the show notes for the, the cognitive distortion list. Um, for example, one of them is catastrophizing, right? And these are all distorted ways of thinking or thought errors that we have. Um, and that's essentially thinking the worst case scenario. Something happens, you're triggered, a life event happens, and then your brain automatically just goes to the worst case scenario. That's a huge common one. Um, another one is jumping to conclusions. You'll, you're at a, you're in a situation, a life event happens, and then you literally jump to conclusions. Like, you know exactly what's going to happen. And part of that is something called fortune telling. So predicting the future. Would you consider that also? So something I found out recently that like really hit me, it like hit a core. And when something hits a core, I feel like you should explore it more is when they told me at the neurofeedback, they're like, you have a lot of limiting beliefs. Yeah, that like that like hit me in almost like an irritable way. You know what I mean? You're like, what? And then like you like think about it. You're like, I really do. I really do. Would you consider that also the fortune telling? Like it's kind of the same thing. Um, Do you know what limiting beliefs are? Did they explain that to you? Like I believe that things are going to go a certain way every time or like this is how it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's all I believe. That's the only thing I believe. Yeah, there is no A, B, C, or D. Yeah, like if this is if this is how it is now, this is just always how it is. It's it's a black or white thinking. Yes, so that is that's a cognitive distortion. (laughs) Black or white thinking. I am distorted. (laughs) So yeah, and and uh, you know that's that's a clinical term, cognitive distortions. It's not it's not a a way of saying you know yeah like the way you're, you might be thinking um, right, right. that, you know, you're a distorted person. It's actually no. a clinical <laughs> right. term. Um, but you can think of them as also like thought errors mm-hmm. because everyone has them at some point yeah. in their life. And um, yeah, that's, that's something that's huge in CBT is recognizing limiting beliefs. So um, the other part of CBT that's, that's the more difficult part is something called we all have something called core beliefs mm-hmm. underneath our thoughts and underneath our layers of what's going on in our brain. And those core beliefs are something that really stem from messaging and, and experiences that we've had after we were born and the way that we see the world. And those core beliefs are the the things that are really the hardest to tap into and to change when you're working with CBT. Some examples of those um, core beliefs that I see with, with the women in my practice are, I'm not good enough. Like, I'm not enough. I'm a failure. Um, I mean, those two are just huge because especially with anxiety, a lot of them, there's a lot of perfectionistic types of um tendencies, but 
um, I'm not worthy. I'm unlovable. Those are examples of some very common core beliefs that are underneath all of those those thoughts. But anyway, the, so the just, so the cognitive distortions, the thought errors. I'll give the clients a list of that. So I gave you a couple examples of what those are. Um, another one. Well, let me just think. Those are the top three that are so common with the clients: the catastrophizing, the jumping to conclusions, or the fortune telling, trying to predict the future. Um. And then like the all or nothing thinking, right? You said black or white. That's, yeah, like all or not, like this is what it is, right? Yeah, Um, there's no gray area. Yeah. And check out the the list because I'm sure you would be interested in seeing, oh my gosh, well, which which do I struggle with, right? Right, right. So I'll have them identify which distortions they struggle with. And then once you kind of – you can start recognizing that, wow, yeah, like there's thoughts that I have that are errored and they just happen. We have like how many thousands of thoughts a day, right? And they're they're automatic. And they're we start ants. to – Yes, the automatic <laughs> negative thoughts. Yes, yes, exactly. And the, the, the whole practice of when you start understanding more and bec- becoming more consciously aware of when those thoughts are automatically coming to you, mm. then you want to start tackling how to challenge them. Mm-hmm. And so part of CBT is really trying to challenge the way that you think and asking yourself questions like, is this really true? Hmm. Is this what I know is going to happen or is this just my brain trying to Ooh. predict? Yeah. So like if someone say someone has like a fear of flying being like your, your brain could almost immediately go, uh, you know, catastrophize, like you said. So that would be one of those, what did you call them? Distortions? Uh, Yes. Cognitive distortions. So that would be a cognitive distortion being like, uh, the plane's going to crash. We're all going to go down. Like it's going to be really bad. Uh, we're going to die. And, and basically the end, the end belief is that I'm going to die today. It's 100%. my day to die. And so, and, and what would be, what thought, would the emotions be though? What would the emotions fear, be attached to those? Scared, yes. Anxiety. Exactly. And so rather looking at it and being like, okay, how many flights take off a day? How many people mm-hmm. make it to A and B safely a day? How many people die on a plane daily? Well, let's really think about commercial airline. Let's really think yes. about it. Um, looking at uh, the statistics. Okay. It's common for people to be anxious, fear before flying. And then understanding that, okay, this might be a common thing to feel this way, but is it actually going to happen? What is the odds yes. of it actually happening? The evidence. The evidence. So the all CBT people will always say, let's look at the evidence. So right? what do you do when someone's like, well, what about the 1%? Yes, of course. So here's an – I want to name an example too after that. Um, okay. I'll answer this because it is. it is – really challenging for someone with anxiety to mm. feel um, like everything is perfect, right? Yes. Because I want to almost like hang on. Like I said about the neurofeedback, being calm is almost a scary place. Yeah. Right. And so, well, and the whole th- reason I said that is because perfection actually doesn't exist, right? So whatever right. in someone's mind they're trying to think of all of these ways that they can have this perfect type of thought pattern or or life so they don't ever feel anxious right mm-hmm. or they never feel like that fear or worry 
which is never going to happen for anybody. Like those emotions are part of our being Mm -hmm. because they protect us from things that are actually dangerous, right? When we're in situations. So the logical part is almost like what's the hardest for someone with anxiety? Because if you think of logic, that is the evidence. If you're challenging a thought about the plane, right? Logically, and that's the rational part too. If you are challenging yourself, you say those statistics. And also you might say like, oh yeah, I'm, um, you know, I know I'm getting a distorted thought right now because I'm jumping to conclusions and trying to predict that I know what's going to happen. And right now when I'm waiting in the terminal, I have no idea what's going to happen five seconds from now or five hours from now, right? But your brain is trying to make you believe that you know that and you don't, right? So that's how you have to talk to yourself also. As far as the, like, what could go wrong, right, there's always something that could go wrong. Even just sitting here in this chair. Yes. Like, my my ceiling could fall in. There's 100%. So I always, I'm like, there is always something that if you want to create in your brain that could go wrong, you could do that and probably have a panic attack. Like, your Mm -hmm. body would respond to that. That's how powerful the thought process is. So mm-hmm. if you want to ruminate and think about that 1% of what could happen, I mean, the world, a meteor could blow up the world, you know? <laughs> if you want to sit and think, you you could do that. This mm-hmm. is why this is an active process. You have to actively train your brain to literally be in the moment, like be he- where you are right now. So – it's, it takes work. Mm-hmm. Nothing is ever just, and I, you know, people talk a lot about curing anxiety and all. there's no cure. You're never going to take the worry out of your psyche or the fear. Emotions are there. That's why my rating scale is from one to 10. Because one, it's never going to be zero because you have to have worry and fear to help protect you from things. And it's a natural emotion. A mm-hmm. one is pretty much hey, how can I feel? I'm feeling scared and worried, but I'm still feeling in control right now. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So it's it's under control. It doesn't control you. Yeah. So so it's like, how can we work together to figure out a way where you feel like it's managed? Mm-hmm. Right? And the fact is, like, you're going to have those emotions. And so you also might, if you struggle with anxiety, you might have different parts of your life where you know, healing's not linear. So you might have different things that happen in your life that actually, you know, exacerbate some of your anxious symptoms mm-hmm. or your depressive symptoms. There's life events that happen. So that's kind of how I explain it, not in that long way, but to my clients as far as like, yeah, but this could happen. This could happen. Yeah, anything could happen. Mm-hmm. But but let's try and let's try and rewire what's going on in your mind and how can we turn those thoughts down a little bit and then get the rational thoughts and those factual thoughts. Let's get them a little louder. Yeah. Cause it seems like a lot of anxious people, they're so focused on that 1% that they forget about the 99%. And it's like, mm-hmm. you ever sat back and thought about what could go right? Like, have you ever done that? Have you ever thought that things could go right for you? Have you yeah. ever thought that it could be okay? 
Sure. And I feel like when even I think about things that I've gone through or something, it's never like you're going to be the okay person. You know, like even I know a lot of people who got COVID and they were like, I'm going to die. And it's like, okay, well, look at the percent of people dying. So you think you're that, you know, one to three percent of people, right? Like, why are you choosing to think that way? It's like we automatically go there. Like you said, the ants. <laughs> the ants. Well, the also, ants. <laughs> well, also, you know, all of all of the thoughts that we experience when we're sh- struggling with anxiety or depression are either thoughts that are future scary thoughts or thoughts that happened in the past and we're just ruminating on them. If mm-hmm. we're actually sitting with where we are right now and we practice those strategies and exercises that really, really bring us to a mindful state of being and recognizing where you are in the moment and what's around you, using the five senses grounding exercises, um, using cold temperatures, going outside, uh, you know, putting your feet in the grass, um, doing some guided meditations, practicing breath work, bringing your body into the breath, all of these types of exercises. And also the strategies that I, the tasks that I give my clients as far as like brain, brain activities to try and rewire their brains. So like we'll do something called a thought log. I'll, I'll give them a thought log maybe every week and there's a couple columns and I'll have them practice writing down the thoughts, like what, what has triggered them, what different events happened this week, what are some thoughts that were connected to those, and how were they feeling? Mm-hmm. And after that, we'll, do, we'll have them get into the, the practice of doing a thought log. Then we'll look at the patterns and we'll say, okay, there are these certain times you feel you're obviously higher rating. These are the thoughts going on in your mind. Let's try and challenge those together. And let's reframe the way that you're thinking. Let's show me the evidence that that thought is true. And usually they're like, well, mm-hmm. sometimes they'll say things that they think is evidence. And then I'll say, okay, wait, why? You know that to be a thousand percent true though? And they're like, not really a hundred percent. No. I'm like, okay, why not? And that starts to get you thinking differently. Well, you know, yeah, that isn't a hundred percent true. Here's why. So I want to give like one specific example from this book that actually really um, like it, it, it paints a picture of CBT perfectly. Um, and so it'll give you a sense of the same – some two people that are in the same exact situation and how the way that they're thinking actually changes their moods and their feelings. So the person, there's two people waiting for a job interview, okay? And that's a trigger for them. One person starts thinking, I have no clue what to say. They're going to think I'm an idiot. And that just thought keeps going over and over in their head. And the feeling that they keep having is nervousness. They feel tense. Their butterflies are in their stomach. It's just, you know, really nervous. Then there's another person who's waiting for a job interview, which is still a trigger for that person. But their thoughts in their mind are thinking, I'm well prepared for this interview. I should be able to make a pretty good impression. And they're feeling calm. They're feeling confident. They're feeling safe. So having, being able to have the tools 
to really rewire the way that you think and your thinking patterns, it takes work. And I mean, this is such a brief explanation of CBT. I mean, this book is like 200 pages. There's so many different exercises that are going to help practice the consciousness of those thought errors and like what to do in certain moments and how to help yourself and handle yourself and how to effectively challenge what is going on in your mind. Because a lot of times with anxiety, it's not even just about that triggering moment, right? It's about, oh my gosh, I'm triggered. Now I have anxiety. Now I feel like I'm crazy because I have anxiety. And now this is like, now it's happening again. Oh my God, what's wrong with me? And so then there's a whole other layer of thoughts that are that are just mean that you're saying to yourself. It's like, oh my gosh, now what do I, how do I challenge those? There's so much work that goes into CBT. It's not just one thing. Mm-hmm. But in the end, it is uh, by the science shown CBT it, it reprograms the brain, would you say? It's 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 scientifically yes. proven to rewire the brain? Yes. So there are thousands of studies. I mean, there are so many studies on CBT. It's probably one of the first types of study. I, I, I have to actually look to see. Um, a, a form of therapy? Form of therapy, yes, and, and modality. Um, and there are a couple of other um, like if you look at CBT as an umbrella, there's a couple like mm-hmm. other modalities that have been like DBT. You can look that up too. Yeah, we we did the episode on EMDR. If anyone's interested, like they're like, okay, that's cool. Like I love that y'all did this on CBT. We did one on uh, EMDR. With, was that with Taylor? That girl? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that was a good one. And then I feel like we should get someone on for DBT. That would be awesome. Yes, I'm gonna try and do that for sure. And EMDR is. Um, is different than very different than than CBT. It's a yeah. it's a different type yeah. of modality. But yeah, um, definitely go go listen look, to that episode. It was yes. a good one. Yes, definitely listen to that. But yes, you could you could type um, cognitive behavioral therapy research into Google, and mm-hmm. there'll probably be like a million that come up. I mean, it is yes, it is very scientifically based. There have been so many different research studies that have been done. Um, on uh, children too, children, yeah, teens, yeah. adolescents, and adults on the effectiveness of this treatment with anxiety disorders and also with depression. Yeah. Um, because like I said, in so many different episodes that anxiety and depression are like siblings, their symptoms look very different, but the thoughts can be very similar mm-hmm. when they're going on. So it is also very repetitive. And with CBT, the the biggest part that I, I forgot to say this before we go, um, Biggest reason why I love it too is it, it is very action oriented. Mm-hmm. So it's very behavioral. So there's a lot of action steps that you'll want to practice and and exercises you'll want to do to try and rewire your brain and um, activate your parasympathetic nervous system, right? Like really help to and and that's more mindfulness based CBT, which is something I do is to let's look at these holistic exercises, like all of the exercises in my book. Um, practice them. I, I've been using my book a lot with my clients because I'll say, listen, I want you to practice page 30 and 31 this week. And there's like three different breathing exercises. And then I want you to rate yourself and I want you to, to come back and let's talk about it. So um, it's it's very much, yes, just like keeping up with the practice and very action oriented. So do you feel like you understand it a little bit better now? 
Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yes, definitely. I think I, I love like, I think a lot of anxious people want to know all the details of what they're going into before they step into that room. And so I feel like this is something if I feel this way, I'm sure a 100 people feel this way who are listening to us, you know, so I think it's cool that we break down exactly what they're going to experience so that they have a little bit of an understanding. So when they get there, they feel more comfortable to let loose yeah. and let go. So they're like, okay, I know like nothing weird's about to happen today. Like I know Allison said X, Y, Z. So I'm very excited to look forward to X, Y, Z and just giving people hope that this can work. There's yes. research, like you said, Google yeah. CBT research. I mean, I know there's tons of research behind therapy. So I think it's cool that we did EMDR and CBT. What There's DBT yeah. and then what else? DBT, um, there's psychodynamic, there's um, um, ERP, which is exposure and response prevention. That is actually um, wonderful for people with OCD. And we did t- mm. touch on that a little bit when we talked to Kimberly and Quinlan on like episode five. I don't know okay. if I remember that. Wow. We talked mm-hmm. about OCD. Um, but we didn't talk so much about ERP and we could maybe go into that. I would um, love to do one, I think, for each therapy form. I think that would be really cool. I think it gives people a little more comfort mm-hmm. before going That's into a, a session. Idea. Yeah, yeah. Let's totally do that. I mean, and there's a rational emotive behavior therapy, which is the one I talked about. Um, oh my gosh. I, I can't there's trauma inf- informed based cognitive therapy now. I mean, there are there are a lot. <laughs> Yeah, you guys I mean, let also us know if you think, too. If, if you think like about couple therapy, therapy. T- I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's couple therapy too. So there's, um, I wonder um, if that lady could talk Gottman. about it. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna have a guest. We're gonna have a bunch of guests soon, guys. But I think we're gonna yeah. we're definitely talking to uh, more about relationship an- anxious attachment soon. Um, so yeah, there's attachment theory. So there's there's so many different ones, and I think that's I think I like that. Like, let's yeah, educate a little bit more on those those types of things. Yeah. Um, but yes, I only touched on brief CBT stuff. So, you know, don't like come at me about, <laughs> you know, what? You didn't even talk about this or whatever. I, listen, mm. I, that is we so would be here all day. Long, I know. And and it's such a long process. I mean, it is. There's so many different parts of CBT that um, I love that I'm still even learning about. Like, yeah. you know, I, that's primarily what I use, but I'm still learning. That's and why all of us who are licensed have to do continuing education. Like exactly. you guys don't even know what goes behind a license unless you're licensed in oh anything. Gosh, it's crazy. It is. But yes, feel free to, you know, email us if you have questions, um, or DM, DM us and, let us know, you know, what you think. And I'm curious, you know, who's used CBT, who's found it effective. Um, and also just remember that when you are trying to find a therapist, if you are looking for someone who specializes in something, I think that's great. But also if you are someone who's looking for more, more holistic treatment, make sure you ask about that as well. And what types of kind of holistic interventions they use and if, if that's important to you. Um, you know, I'm just going to plug my book one more time because there is a chapter about self-advocacy in there. And I basically give you a list of 10 to 15 questions to ask your ther- a therapist before you actually start seeing them to narrow down if they're the right person for you. Um, and I have a list of questions for your psychiatrist and for nutritionists and for integrative doctors and your medical doctor. So 
that chapter is really great in learning how to like advocate for yourself a little bit better and ask specific questions before you decide on the the right doctor for you and the right therapist. So um, you can buy that whenever you want. But this was so fun. Yeah. I'm glad we got I, to do I, this I'm glad today. we did that. I think we should title it, Does CBT Actually Work? <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, you're in charge this week of uh, writing our uh, little bio thing. So yeah, whatever you want, girlfriend. I'm glad to have you back. That's all I CBT, know. CBT, myth or fact? I'm just kidding. Ooh, well, Drop I mean, it's research-based, so it's not really myth. Yeah, but. so that that means people would click on it and be like, what? And then get angry and then and then watch Ew. it all. <laughs> I like I like the way you say. Okay. okay. Well, thank uh, you, what's everyone. It called? What's, it called? what's the wording called? What are you when talking you about? Hook someone in with a false title. Oh, I have no idea. It's kind that's of horrible. Me. Oh no, that's that's some people do do that. Oh, you know they do it on YouTube. Clickbait. 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 Yes. yes, yes. Totally. <laughs> oh my funny. gosh. Okay, guys, we digress. Okay, we'll yeah. talk to you next week. <laughs> See you later, Bye, guys. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.